Hear the word of God from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. It only takes a second or two in our Bibles to flip from 1 Timothy to 2 Timothy, just a page flip, just a second or more, which is why it's easy to forget that the span of time, the actual span of time between the writing of Paul's first letter to Timothy and the second is actually about three or four years, and a lot has happened to Timothy in those three or four years much more than just a second. Just like our lives, sometimes all it takes is just a second for, for life to throw you a curveball, for you all of a sudden to find yourself at the, at the bottom of the barrel, at the end of your rope. You would never know it by looking at First Timothy. That first letter that Paul wrote is just so optimistic. It's so bright. It's so cheery. That first letter we find Timothy just wide-eyed and excited about the future that, that lie before him. He was a newly minted minister. He had his whole career in front of him. He was basically on a mountaintop moment. He was optimistic. He was energetic. And the way Paul is writing to him, it's like Paul is his guidance counselor. It's his, he's his coach, giving, giving Timothy some specific directions, some guidance as to how to seize the moment to make the most of every day and to, to claim this incredibly bright future that Timothy had before him. It's basically a mountaintop moment. I think you've had those moments, right? Those, those amazing pinnacle moments in your life when you felt like you could reach up and touch the clouds, when, when sky was the limit, and you looked ahead of you and everything was so bright and cheery and optimistic and you felt like nothing could take you down. Well, that, that's basically Timothy in the first letter. But by the time we get to the second letter of Timothy, not only have three years passed by, but something has happened. And we're never fully told what. All we know is the way that Paul greets Timothy in that second letter. One of the first things Paul tells Timothy is, Timothy, I have been recalling your tears. That's the phrase. Basically, Paul is telling Timothy, look, I know you've been crying. 
I know you have been weeping. And we're never told exactly why Timothy had some kind of breakdown when he was brought down to the lowest level that brought him down to tears. It's kind of a narrative gap between those first two letters. We're never told exactly why. And whenever we see a narrative gap anywhere in the Bible, I always like to think it's the Spirit's invitation for you and me to fill the blank with our own autobiography, with our own narrative. Let me ask you a question. What times in your life have you felt like you've gone from the mountaintop to crashing down to rock bottom? That's what Timothy was going through. And you might, you might find it hard to explain in words because some of you might even be going through that right now, finding yourself going through difficult times, hard times that are so hard for you to put into language, let alone explain to someone else. So I wonder if just single words might capture it for you. Maybe it's grief. Maybe it's heartbreak. Maybe it's worry, anxiety. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a phrase or two. Maybe for you it's financial insecurity or loss of trust or a betrayal of friendship. Or maybe it's just worry about your own mortality. Whatever you're going through, it's almost like you're flipping the page from the mountaintop you once knew, that first Timothy life, to where you are right now. And Paul is recalling your tears too. If you're going through anything like that right now, I want to let you know that this new worship series is just right for you. For the next several weeks, this worship series called The Bright Side, we're going to be reading some amazing scriptures that remind us of just how much God loves you and how God has not given up on you so that you don't have to either. And it begins with this passage from 2 Timothy, Paul's second letter, where he says to Timothy, not only do I recall your tears, but I've got some good news for you. And my prayer is that as you walk out of this place this morning, you will not only be reminded of some truths that never change, you will be challenged to practice some good news that's in your life. If I were to pick out a central key verse to 2 Timothy, the one verse that I think captures any, any of us, the good news that any of us need to have to capture the bright side of our lives, I think it would be 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. And it says this, For this reason I, Paul, remind you, Timothy, to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. There's three words there that jump out to me. To rekindle the gift. What's interesting to me is that that word rekindle, this is the only time in the entire New Testament, the only time in Paul's epistles where he uses the word rekindle. Of all the tens of thousands of words, that Paul wrote in his letters to, to countless numbers of Christians, he saves this particular moment in this particular conversation with Timothy to use that word rekindle. For Paul, this one word unleashes 
all of the hope and promise and possibility he wants to give Timothy as he's facing his despair. That word rekindle. Now, in the Greek, that word rekindle is the word anazopyreo. We've taken the liberty of giving you that word in your sermon insert today. You can see the word there, anazopyreo. Basically, that Greek word can be broken down into three root words in Greek. You didn't know you were going to get a Greek lesson when you came here today. It all sounds like Greek to us, but here it is, anazopyreo. The first root word, ana, means up. It's a preposition. Whenever you see ana in Greek, it means up. The second word is interesting, pyreo, pyrotechnics, pyromania. It means fire. So, so Paul is telling Timothy, there's something I want to tell you. It has to do with fire, and it has to do with waking it up. It's the third word, that middle word that I just love. It is so rich. That third word means beast, zoan, beast. Anazopyreo doesn't just mean rekindle. It doesn't just mean strike up a match. It means to wake up that fiery beast that has been within you the whole time. It just needs to be awakened. This is what Paul is telling Timothy. Look, Timothy, I know you've been crying. I know you've gone through a hard time. I've been recalling your tears. I know you've gone from the mountaintop down to the valley below. I know you feel like life is crushing you right now, that life has thrown you a curveball. I know, Timothy, you feel like you're at the end of your rope, you're at the bottom of the barrel, but I want to remind you of something, Timothy, that God has put a fiery beast within you. God has put God's grace and God's love, God's potential and God's promise in you. It's like a fiery beast, and I know you might feel like it has gone to sleep because of all the chaos in your life, but anazopyreo, Timothy, it is time to wake up that fiery beast within you. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. And I think that's the word we need to hear today. I have no idea what you're going through. Only you and God could possibly find the language for the kind of misery that feels deep, for the kind of sadness that feels wide. I know it feels like a long, long time ago since you've last had any kind of mountaintop experience. But regardless of where you are right now, no matter how deep down you might feel, there is a fiery beast that God has given to you. It is the potential and promise of hope that God has given to you by God's grace. It is the love of God that will never go away. And it might feel like that reality has gone to sleep. You might even feel like walking away from it. But it's still there. It has never gone away. And it is time, friends, even in the darkness, to claim the bright side by waking up that fiery beast within you. It has never left. God has never given up on you, and it's time to wake it up. And that's just verse 6. There's so much more of 2 Timothy to go. But I'm, I'm just as compelled, not just by verse 6, but by the verse that comes after it. In fact, I think verses 6 and 7 are two of the most memorable, most powerful couplets of verses that Paul ever wrote. Because in verse 6, he not only tells Timothy to rekindle that gift and wake up that fiery beast, he gives him in verse 7 one of the most memorable verses that I have ever memorized. In fact, if you've never memorized 2 Timothy 1.7, I encourage you to do it. 
and hold on to it and claim it. The, re- the version that I first memorized as a kid was the King James Version. So that's why we've listed it for you. And here it is on the screen. This is what Paul tells Timothy. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Those are powerful words. In fact, in fact, if you would, please join me in reading this in unison. We're going to read it slow, or we're going to read it loud as a way of claiming this verse for any of us who are going through dark times. Here we go. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know what that means? Fear is not from God. Fear is not from God. God does not use fear to change you. God does not use worry or anxiety to transform you. If you're feeling afraid of anything right now, that is not the voice of God at work in your life. Paul makes it very clear that God has not given you a spirit of fear. And Paul could have stopped right there. Verse 7 could have stopped right there, and that would have been enough for us to remember. But Paul goes one step further. Not only has God not given us fear, God has given us a way to overcome our fears. He gives us the practical way in verse 7 to rekindle the beast in verse 6. And it's three parts, a three-part formula, a three-part antidote to our fears. So for any of us who are feeling fearful of anything right now, the rest of verse 7 is for us. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. The spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Those, those three words, by the way, are not just random words. Those three categories aren't just categories that Paul made up. For centuries, ancient philosophers have believed that every human being is governed by three centers, three poles that govern everything we think and act and say and do. First of all, they believed that human beings had a, a center in their gut. It was their capacity to act. The gut is our bodies. It's our physical reaction. It governs our behaviors and our responses. It's our power. They also believed that we were governed by our hearts, our emotions, our relationships with one another, our capacity to be grateful, our capacity to know that we were connected to other people, our hearts. And finally, they believed that we had the capacity in our brains to practice our intellect and our wisdom and our attitudes, our minds. So when Paul is coming up with some antidote to fear for Timothy, he's tapping into what he may have heard from some Greek philosophers in his day, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but our gut, our hearts, and our minds, our capacity to do, our capacity to feel, and our capacity to choose the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. By the way, these three categories we see all over the place in our culture today. Think about the Wizard of Oz. Think about the journey that Dorothy was on as, he was, as she was trying to meet the wizard. 
Who are the three traveling companions that go with Dorothy? The cowardly lion. And what was he looking for? He was, he was looking for, for courage, the gut, the power to act and overcome his fears. And, and what, was the, what was the tin man looking for? Looking for a heart, the ability to feel, the ability to feel connected and have emotions. And then there was that scarecrow looking for a brain, looking for the mind. For Dorothy, Dorothy was looking for that balance among the the gut and the heart and the mind. And that's basically what Paul was telling Timothy. If you want to overcome your fears, then you've got three gifts from God. Number one, you've got the spirit of power. And you know what that means? That means that you are not helpless. Some of us really need to remember that. Some of us have long forgotten that. You are not helpless. You you are not sitting passively by as the chaos of your life is just crushing you. You have the capacity to do something about it. And that power is from God. That spirit of power is something that God has gifted you so that you can act in response to the chaos of your life. You are not a helpless person. And whatever actions that may take, that is up to you and God to discern, but you are not a cowardly lion in your life right now. God has, in fact, given you a spirit of power. Number two, you are not only not helpless, but God has given you a heart of love. Love, that's the second tool. What's important about this is that Paul isn't talking about romantic love. Paul is not talking about sentimental love. That's not the word for love that Paul uses here. When he talks about the spirit of love, he uses the highest word for love that he knows. He's talking about agape love, unconditional love, love that comes from God. And that is the love that you have right now the unconditional love that God has for you, which means that you're not helpless and you are also not unlovable. You might find that hard to believe right now. You might not feel loved. You might not feel worthy of love. You might have been betrayed by people that you thought loved you unconditionally. You might have even betrayed other people that you should have loved unconditionally. But none of that changes the ultimate unconditional regard that God has for you. You are a loved person, and other people love you too. And you know what that means? To have a spirit of love, it means ultimately you can be grateful. There are things that you can be thankful for right now. You might not feel like it. The last thing in your mind right now might, be to, might not be to take an inventory in your life about the things that God has blessed you with, but you are never without a reason to be grateful. You are not only loved, you have reason to be thankful, and you are not alone. That's what a spirit of love means. It means that there are people who are with you, not just people that you know, but people all around the world who, whose 
commitment to Jesus Christ unites us together in a power of love that can overcome any fear. And that's why, that's why I think it is so timely that this particular series begins on this particular day when we're reading this particular verse because it is World Communion Sunday. I don't think there's a better way for us to remember that we are loved and that we are surrounded by people all around the world than on this day when we come together at this table and realize that we are not alone. In just a few moments, we're going to invite you forward. You're going to take a piece of the bread and dip it into the cup. And when you take communion today, realize the love that God has for you and realize that you are participating in something much bigger than yourself, that all around the world there is the body of Christ that surrounds us in love. You are not helpless. God has given you a spirit of power. You are loved, you have reason to be thankful, and you are not alone. God has given you a spirit of love. And then finally, you have to remember the third one. This one's really important. God has given you a spirit of a sound mind. Now, there are lots of other translations that render this self-discipline. And what this means is that God has given you the power to choose. God has given you the agency of free will, not only to do what you need to do, power, to feel what you need to feel, love, but to guide your perspective on your situation, which means your attitudes. This one's really important to remember, especially when times seem at their darkest. The last thing you want to do is to look on the bright side. But God has given you the ability to choose your attitude regardless of what you're going through. I love this quote by the preacher Chuck Swindoll. I remember reading this many years ago in my youth. I've, I've offered it before, but it's so timely to offer it to you right now. He says these words, for I am convinced, Chuck says, that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. This isn't just positive thinking stuff. Someone came up to me after the 9.30 service and said, you were really channeling Norman Vincent Peale today. I said, no, well, maybe, but I was really just channeling Paul because Paul is encouraging each one of us to practice that power of a sound mind and self-discipline, which means choosing our attitudes in our lives. You are, you are a loved person. You are not helpless, and you can choose your attitude regardless of what you're afraid of right now. And whatever you're feeling right now that's longing for some bright side, I want you to know that God is with you, God has not given up on you, and you shouldn't either. And there is a fiery beast, a fiery beast of grace, love, potential, promise, and hope that is in you. It has never left, and it is time for you to wake it up. And by the grace of God, you can. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the promise that you have given to us in the Scriptures today, the truth that many of us needed to hear, that many of us have forgotten. Thank you for not giving us this spirit of fear, but for offering to us these tools, these resources that enable us 
to wake up the hope and promise that has been within us all this time. God, we pray for any of us who are facing dark times, and as we approach the communion table today, remind us that we are not alone, that we are surrounded by Christians around the world, and by your grace, we can live the lives that you intend for us to live. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and let all God's people say, amen. But this time, we invite Nikki Taylor to come back up to offer us some practical ways that we can further our spiritual practices in preparation for communion today. So our response to God this morning, it involves the commitment of our whole lives, which we are calling GRIP. The spiritual practices of giving, reading scriptures, inviting others, and prayer. So here are some practical ways that you can strengthen your own spiritual practices or strengthen your grip this week. So if you want to give with joy and generosity, we have two items to share with you. We want to remind you about this insert that we all have in our bulletins and the chart um, that it has. So it shows a breakdown of giving in our congregation, and it helps you see how your giving that you do, it really does make a difference in the life of our congregation. And we hope that you will consider taking your next step in giving joyously whenever we distribute our estimate of giving cards later this year in November. And so to help you prepare for filling out that card this month, uh, we also have this devotional to give you. It's a free daily devotional uh, that you can pick up in the courtyard today. It has specially written daily readings that will remind you of God's blessings in your life and will motivate you to give joyously and generously. So please pick one of these up in the courtyard. There's a table of folks out there giving them out um, as you leave today. And so in a few moments, we're all going to um, be taking up our weekly offering for the regular ministries and missions of this church, which you can know makes a big difference both here locally and around the world. So you can give today by text, you can give online, you can use the envelope in front of you, or you can explore giving through an automatic transfer. So as we invite our ushers forward for this morning's tithes and offerings, we invite you to prepare your spirit as we are going to join with Christians all around the world this morning and celebrate World Communion Sunday. So will our ushers come forward, please? <laughs> 